0: From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. Leviticus 25, Bahar Seven times seven This week's portion of the Torah discusses the seventh year release, the Shemitah, and the seven years times seven years cycle that brings an even greater release, the fiftieth year, the Jubilee. First, we should ask, what is so special about the number seven? Number one, there are seven days in a week. Since more than seven begins a new week, the number seven expresses completion. Two, the seventh day of the week is the Shabbat, when Jews are commanded to rest. Both the Jew and his household are released from work on this day. 3. The infant male is brought by his parents to be circumcised on the day after he completes his seventh day. 4. During the seventh year release, the land in Israel must rest. All working of the land is strictly forbidden throughout this entire year. Also in this year, debts are to be forgiven. 5. The Torah commands that the Jewish slaves were to be freed after six years of servitude, in their seventh year. They were freed without having to pay anything more to their master than the six years that they had already served. They went free, that is, unless they said that they liked slavery and wanted to remain as slaves. In such a case, the master would make a hole in the ear and they would serve as slaves forever. As it turns out, this forever actually means until the seven years, times seven years, of the Jewish cycle were complete. The 50th year was the Jubilee year, and the grand release was announced. On um, Yom Kippur of the Jubilee year, the ram's horn was sounded, and all the Jewish slaves were free to return to their families. Also in the Jubilee year, the land that the individual tribes inherited which had subsequently been sold, returned to its tribal owner. Certainly all these laws were physically observed. In the Jubilee year, the slaves actually went free. Debts were truly forgiven. The land that had been sold was physically returned to its original owner. All of the details of the seventh day, seventh year, and the seven times seven years were faithfully fulfilled. But what are we, who are not slaves, and not indebted, to learn from all this. We live in a world where there is no known ancestral tribal land ownership. Except for the rare few, most debts are not being forgiven. Most lenders today take precautions to guarantee payment even in the Shemitah year. We do not have literal slaves with bored ears. It might seem that there is nothing to learn from these Torah teachings today. Therefore, are these teachings no longer applicable, since we do not have the Jubilee? All of these sevens that we just discussed have an underlying common denominator that is just as applicable today as it was in the actual Jubilee year. When the literal perspective is no longer applicable, we must not think that the other perspectives are also nullified. For example, 1. All of these cycles point to completion and release. 2. With the completion of the work week, the Jew is released from his work and must rest. 3. The seventh year shows that even the physical land must rest. Even the inanimate land must be released from its labor. Debts are to be released. 4. The Jubilee year shows that even slaves who are slaves forever will be released and returned to their families. Even the land that was sold to a stranger will be released and returned. What is the primary lesson of these examples of completion of a cycle and the subsequent release? The primary lesson is, in this world, we are just tenants. The ultimate release. Seeing these cycles should prepare us for the truly grand release the release that is coming when the slave will be set free and will return to the place from where he came. The soul, which we really are, is being held in the body much like a master holds his slave. The soul was sent here into this world against its will and it was sent to work the land, to improve it, and to make it a better place for his master. When the Torah discusses the commandment to let the land of Israel rest and that it may not be so forever, God tells us in the Torah that we are but sojourners and residents with God. Sojourners and residents are not the landlords. They do not own the ground they are standing on. They are only here with their owner's permission. A sojourner, a ger, is a stranger, a foreigner. To be a resident, yashuvim, means you merely sit down, stay, or inhabit. As usual, the Torah is speaking at many depths. At the superficial perspective, God is telling us that since he brought us out of slavery, we are really his slaves now. And since he gave us this land that we are dwelling on, we are not its owners. He can tell us what he wants us to do with his land. But at a much deeper perspective, we see here that the Torah is telling us that just like the land must go back to its original owner, so were our own personal portion of land. Our bodies go back to its original owner. It is surely going back to the place it came from, back to the earth. Our bodies are merely allowed to sit on the land, having been raised up and formed into humans for a while. Our bodies are the actual land we live on. We associate with our bodies so much that often we make the mistake of thinking that we are the body. But when the grand release comes, these bodies, this land we walk on, will return to its owner, back to the ground from where it came, and our souls will return to their source. And even more mystically, our very being, what we believe ourselves to be, our souls are also merely temporary beings. The souls, too, are tenants temporarily enjoying individual identity as souls, Not only are they temporarily housed as residents in the body, but ultimately their individual identity as souls will cease and they will return to their true owner. Our souls will also cease to be seemingly independent entities when they return to the one from where they were apportioned. The soul is a veritable portion of God on high. The distinction between God on high and the soul is the soul's characteristic as a portion. When the soul's journey is over, its identity as a soul will cease. You, your body, and even your soul are merely tenants here, and not the boss you would like to think you are. Seeing the seven-day, seven-year, and 7 times seven-year releases throughout our lifetimes and learning about them today must remind us of the grand release that is surely coming. This should lead us to use our opportunity here more wisely. Then someday, God willing soon, the great ram's horn will physically sound, announcing that the Mashiach has come. Then, with the resurrection of the dead, even death itself will be released. As with most mystical teachings in the Torah, there are differences of opinions on the subject of souls. There is a strong opinion that states that the souls will exist forever as souls in the world to come. The opinion cited above that I just mentioned holds that ultimately even the world to come will revert back to the one as it was before creation began. The other school argues, if it goes back to what it was, then what was the purpose of it? The above cited school would answer, for the gorgeous joy of it. onecom